Live from Cape Town, this is the voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. The voice of the Cape. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh and welcome back to Youth Hour with me Yasin Kipi. Now we will be speaking to Azam Tommy from Lebanon, from Beirut. Um, Assalamu alaikum Azam. It's really great to hear from you. Um, one of the things that I was just thinking about before the break is this famous joke that I want to start off with. Uh, it's a joke about uh, you know a student at a famous you know Islamic university, and he he hears about you know the, the the greatness of this university and the fatwas that the scholars give at the university, and he decides to go and study there, and he spends his eight years studying the different ulum, and then one day he graduates and he gets his paper you know to to be able to speak and lecture, and then he goes to the the ministry. Of, of the, the education and, and he takes his paper and then he says that you know give me a masjid I, I've, I've studied I, I really want to disseminate the knowledge and the ilm that I learned and then they say well you know we really booked up now the only place that that, that is available is this little little um, little mosque in, in the in the outskirts of the country if that's okay and said well I mean the job's a job you're gonna have to do it and so then he goes there and he starts giving his Jumu'ah and his, and, and his classes and he speaks about all of these great things, you know, Fana and Baqa and all of these things. And then these, the, and as he's, as he's looking at the people, it's like, these people simply cannot understand what I'm saying. And after the Jumu'ah, he sees this old man crying. And he goes up to the old man and he asks the man, Alhamdulillah, did you understand at least because you're crying, you at least understood what I was saying amongst all these people who can't understand because, I mean, they're from the outskirts. And the man says to him, you know, son, I really didn't understand anything you said, but I saw your beard like eating up and going up and down again. So it just reminded me of my goat that died this morning. (laughs) And so what's really funny is that we often portray this character of who we should who we should be in life as a youth um, but is that really necessary are we being what society needs from us and, and so if i look at the university currently and and as muslims we are living in a time where many feel alienated from islam as a result of the crushing influences of, of foreign ideologies and worldviews. i mean and it manifests in various ways as well but few people gain a deep enough knowledge of both islam as well as the world we live in to know how to respond to these challenges and and i mean you you from lebanon can you just you know basically um, you know draw out and and map out what you feel the main challenges for for muslim youth are particularly at universities and institutions of the like yeah um see the main problem faced in these institutions is the very high level of intellectualism which is present Uh, so many people are not prepared for that level of challenge and thing is uh, the ironic part of it is that we cannot demand from everyone to be at such a high level intellectually because it's pretty exhausting and it's like it's a full-time job to fulfill that role so the role of the youth should be split into two uh one category should be uh, should take on the challenges of uh, these modern institutions and that means they should be able to uh, absorb the modern rhetoric and understand the underlying principles behind it and then be able to uh, to have a certain dialogue with it in order to uh, to produce a, a new uh, rhetoric which is fit for the university context and at the same time uh, up to the level 
uh, which both the university and the students can understand. Yeah. That's on the one hand. Uh, on the other hand, uh, those students who are not capable of rising to that level of intellectualism should be uh, should have a sort of humbleness in order to uh, sit and listen to those who are the intellectuals, the, the first category you spoke of. And when doing that, uh, they'd be able to get uh, exactly the right uh, amount of intellectualism which addresses their needs and at the same time uh, protects them from the very high level of intellectual rhetoric faith in the university. Uh, this reminds me of Imam uh, Ghazali in Akhisar he begins by stating that Salim al-Kalam is uh, medicine. Yeah. And medicine need only, need only be given by the doctor in the appropriate amount on a, in a one-to-one session with the patient. And that's much of what we need today. Uh, see, one of the main problems faced in the university is that um, when uh, presented with so many challenges, we cannot make sure that the students uh, will be able to absorb the answers to those, to those challenges. And that's one of the main problems we face today in that when the Muslims try to address those problems, they tend to bring in students who have not present, been presented with those challenges and then teach them all the challenges and then attempt to present the responses. And whereas the students might understand all the challenges, he might not understand all the responses. And that creates a, a problem in itself. Yeah. Hence, even in addressing the problem, we need to look out for how to address it in a way which does not create more problems. Absolutely. Uh, well, I mean, yeah. looking at some of these problems, I mean, we have some social problems at these universities, and oftentimes Muslims are also at the at the end of this because this um, you you live your whole life around uh, in a globalized society that has so many influences, whether it's television, whether it's the internet, and when you come to university, suddenly you have a, a sort of freedom that you didn't really have at home, whether you if you come from a really uh, strict family, um, and and I mean if I look at the social statistics currently for for Muslim youth and the family and Youth Institute of America did this and I, I really feel we can you know and analogize this with various other places in the Muslim world as well as the Muslim minority world um, for example 57% of Muslim youth have engaged in premarital intercourse uh, 40% have uh, drink alcohol regularly this is according to their statistics uh, 70% have at least tried one and the drugs um, statistics is very similar how do you respond to correctly without creating more problems to people who have these social and personal problems at universities? Uh, I guess this problem goes back to the child or the student that adopting the lifestyle he adopts because he adopts it. Now it, it more becomes of uh, him being raised in a certain situation which brought him up like that and hence he's a product of a certain limiting system as opposed to a product of his own free choice. Yeah. Um, this is this was one of the main uh, points which I used to think about when uh, about how to, I want to raise my family. So you see, um, in attempting to protect the children and isolate them, but that only makes them more vulnerable. It's like the immune system of the human beings. So what we should do is you know, vaccinate those students before they are uh, exposed to all that. Hence, limited exposure, or maybe limited in that. Uh, it does not lead to the to more problems than it leads to solutions. Yeah. Uh, that type of exposure can really help the student in making that transition more smoothly, so that he can both uh, preserve his own uh, well-being, intellectual and religious and uh, psychological well-being, 
and at, and at the same time uh, transition smoothly. Because you see what happens when one escapes all these challenges, people tend to have two responses. Either they become uh, too extreme in their religiosity, hence unable to talk to in their uh, uh, university context, or they will be too, um, too uh, liberal in their uh, response, which is also problematic. And I think the clinical exposure might really help in uh, preventing this problem. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, one of the things is that I've noticed as well, when you just go into university as a Muslim, you are really opening yourself or you've you've, you've been put in a, a system designed um, in a very epistemologically narrow way, uh, whether that's empirical, uh, it's only focused on, on certain things. And I mean, we are part of a, a Rihla chat group that I, I we saw this, the one little girl that is really influenced by a scientism, uh, you know, worldview that you have to prove religion and God by science. Um, and we have no problem with science itself, but believing that that is the end all? Yes. Uh, here comes the role of the teacher. See, uh, it's not only students who are not given the proper exposure. In many cases, it is the teachers as well. Yeah. And when the teacher has problems, then the problems will only be exacerbated at the level of the student. And that's what you're seeing. So when the teacher is not exposed, then he has no idea what the problems are. Hence, like, you see the private scientism, because in school what happens is that science is given, like, this glorifying, verified image. And hence, uh, when the teachers do not have a proper conception of what's happening in intellectual circles outside that, that circle of religiosity, mm-hmm. then when the student makes that transition, he's not ready for it. Because all he has in his mind is that the science is to be glorified. And that's the thing. Schools should not be made to prepare students to finish schools. Schools should be made to prepare students for the world outside. And that requires the conception of the world outside at the level of the teachers to be able to transfer that to the, the students more properly. Yeah. And, uh, uh, I, I face that uh, on, a, on a very personal level because I run in a very religious school. So I, uh, I've seen that transition happen with many of my classmates. Yeah. how they have faced those problems and failed in facing them. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, well, there's many a times people feel that we should just not go to university at all and just focus on Islamic studies, and, and that's really the uh, the best way to do things. Um, that has to do with what's the goal. So if the goal mm-hmm. is to only produce uh, good uh, religious knowledge, then yes, focusing on Islamic studies should be the priority. However, this does not suffice to build a community to begin with. Mm-hmm. We need to get into yeah. the universities. And that means that we need to involve ourselves in this sector, at least uh, in a manner which preserves the necessity to be in like, the minimum uh, level. Yeah. However, many, many take it one step further and adopt the methods of academia in their energy rhetoric. And that might be a bit problematic. Uh, Dr. Johnson Brown, in his book, Recording Muhammad, speaks about this and how to deal with that. And he speaks about academia being problematic and that doesn't deal with the Quran and the, the Hadith as canonical texts. It deals with them as texts text to be criticized. Yeah. And that's a very big problem in academia. So the adoption of academia might be problematic. However, uh, we need to dive into that because this is the world we're living in now. At least we make the transition to uh, a different system. But for now, we're stuck. So, Yes, absolutely. I mean, th- that's really Im- important to understand 
that we need to as Muslims, uh, Muslim youth at at. In, I mean, Muslims in in a society that has a very, you know a connection and interaction with the secular worldviews, the liberal liberalistic um, worldviews, that we need to really have a movement of making sure that we fully understand it before going into it. But speaking about the role of Muslim youth at universities, I mean, I mean, you spoke about having you know functions of of whether we we deal with. Muslims affected by by social issues, by personal issues, by family issues, by intellectual issues, also. But what do you really feel? What do you feel that the role of the MSA in, in political issues should be? You know, because many times um, we have these Muslim student associations at these universities. Um, but what should the role be in, in in making sure that we don't, you know, over overstep the line, or also don't sit on the fence where things should be spoken about? And I think they don't have to do with the capabilities to do it. So if one has zero capabilities, then his role in the political area now would be very minimal. It yeah. would be generally a more ethical uh, type of uh, teaching or you know, lecturing, uh, which is mostly the situation of most students. Unless those are guided by certain political parties in which case they can be more active and proactive in their dealings. However, real political change needs certain, uh, a certain grasp of powers, which means economic power and military power. And, you know, uh, politics is a very uh, heavy matter to deal with. But uh, at, at the level of student activism and the uh, uh, politics of the universities, for example, then there much can be done, especially, you know, with petitions, with protests, and uh, with such student activism, much can happen. Uh, so there uh, we can do much. However, at the, level, at the level of the country, where students are facing some problems due to a shortage of capability, generally. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I mean, like. And uh, students need to address. Uh, students need to address the problems they are facing to begin with, mm-hmm. and that means, as you said, the familial problems, uh, the problems of drugs, the problems of uh, you know, uh, well, they just have their own problems, and we know them more than them. So yeah. Okay, so I mean, what in, in just in, in in closing, what advice do you have, you know, for that young Muslim teenager or perhaps twenty-one year old or twenty-year-old, um, with regards to you know he's frustrated with what he sees in the world, the distortion of, of the religion, and uh, he just wants to he has, has this anger, you know, just to and he wants to manifest that perhaps it, and and often it manifests in an emotional outburst and occasional violence at times, which really isn't isn't um, you know productive. How does he turn that anger into action, whether it's social problems or intellectual problems or even political? Well, the religion has enough for him to do with all this stuff. What can he do? Generally, react. He tends not to create alternatives for the problems we see. Hence, uh, I would tell that young young boy or young Muslim to uh, try to create that alternative, and that begins with creating certain groups which have their own uh, social dynamics, which are better than the social dynamics offered in the university. Hence, you know the, the centrality of the mosque, for example, the centrality of uh, knowledge and by knowledge I mean of of course Islamic knowledge like Quran and so on. Uh, so the centrality of those things and the centrality of the Islamic dynamics. So once he lives that religion and once he offers that model, then that model would be not only a refuge for him and would occupy him twenty four seven, it will also be a, a good model for others who are also seeking refuge. Yeah. 
You see, uh, one of the main things we are missing in our society is the good model. So we have no model of what the what students look like. We have no model of what the big father looks like. Uh, and if they are to be found, they, they need to be like searched for very, very well because they're pretty much hidden. So what we need from the youth is to create that model and to make it even more visible in the uh, in the scheme of society visible now. So yeah, I think that that should be where the effort goes. And many people are searching for places to put their efforts, and those efforts are being taken by other parties who misuse those efforts for certain political or economic gains. And that's really just sad. Right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, thank you very much, Azam. It's been a pleasure to speak to you after such a long time as well.